Hello everyone, Alan Bishon here from Vitality Explorers. Please sign up at vitalityexplorers.com for free scientific information about how to enhance your physical, mental, social, and spiritual well-being. Love our theme song today, and it's about friends because we're going to talk about social vitality. Uh, we'll start out with a little quote, as we always do on the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. And this one is from Nietzsche, and here it is. Love is blind, but friendship closes its eyes. Love is blind, but friendship closes its eyes. Think about that one for a little, little while. So on this week's Vitality Explorer News Podcast, we're going to talk about how to cultivate closeness to enhance vitality. We're going to also learn how to brush up on our social vitality skills. And then we're going to learn why religion and spirituality are associated with better mental health. All right, so let's get rolling right away with how to cultivate closeness to enhance vitality. Again, I would recommend you check out the Vitality Explorer News uh, on Substack for the pictures and graphics associated with this. And one of the best pictures uh, on this one is of my friend James, and he's one of the world's best humans. He really always seeks to find the best in other people, and I'm really, really blessed to call him my very close friend for more than 25 years. But too often, I think we forget about why friends are crucial to our vitality, and we fail to foster these relationships where we take them for granted, especially as we get older in life. Now, when we're young or in school, we're constantly trying to make friends. We're spending a lot of time with our friends, but as we move forward in life, we spend less time with them. And it's more difficult to establish and or maintain those friendships. But vital people know this is a mistake. They realize relationships are foundational to our vitality. And we, you know, if you really want to be vital, you need to prioritize meaningful relationships as much as we go to the gym. All right. So let's go over some data, as we always like to do on Vitality in the Vitality Explorer News podcast. And this is by a leading researcher who has confirmed the epic value of social connection. You can look her up. Her name is Dr. Julianne Holt-Lundstad. That's H-O-L-T-L-U-N-S-T-A-D. And she's published a lot of uh, articles about why our social connectivity is crucial to our overall well-being. And this one was published in the Annual Review of Public Health, and it was a systematic framework for prioritizing the social determinants of health. And that's, let's take a look at it. Uh, what staggered me is to learn that 40 to 80%, yes, 40 to 80% of our health and wellness can be connected directly or indirectly to social factors. And here's a, here's a sentence from the paper. Recent, quote, recent reviews and meta-analyses have begun to synthesize this evidence, leading to the conclusion that a lack of social connection has sig- significant adverse health consequences. And then she divides those connections into three components, structural, functional, and quality. And then you can, again, look at the graphics on the Substack site, the Vitality Explorer new Substack site. But here's, here's a few quotes from the article again. Quote, the structure of one's social connections is often measured quantitatively by assessing the size or diversity of one's social network, social group memberships or participations, living arrangements as living alone, and frequency of social interaction. The functional component acknowledges our connection to others via resources provided or available to meet various needs, including emotional, physical, tangible, informational, and belonging needs. And finally, the quality component acknowledges both positive and negative 
affective qualities in our social connections and is measured by assessing these qualities. That is like things like relationship satisfaction, intimacy, closeness, strain, and conflict. So what I think she has done for us is provide a framework to better understand social connection and why it's important. It isn't just about having a bunch of social media followers. We need support and a deep sense of inclusion for our social connections to be meaningful. And the paper also was looked at 148 prospective studies that, quote, found social connections significantly influenced the risk of premature death from all causes. We actually think of our friendships that way. I mean, let's be honest. We think of our friends as being one of the ways we can reduce our risk of dying. I think it's really kind of interesting because most of us don't think of that with our friends or our social connections as really crucial to our overall vitality. We discount their value. We, and then when we discount their value, we fail to fertilize our friendships. And I think it's important to understand that it takes time to change course and make a social connection a primary component of living our most vital lives. This is not easy. It takes work to initiate and or maintain friendships. And this is especially important in the context of the, the pandemic. And, you know, people were isolated. People didn't get a chance to see each other. Uh, and I think we, we really need to pause right now and then think about how we can restore some of our social vitality because poor social connection is also associated with mental health issues. Um, the paper reviewed a whole bunch of studies and concluded, quote, better social connection is associated with better mental health with longitudinal data demonstrating an increased risk of depression due to poor social connection. And they found that maintaining, another study found that maintaining social connections in older adulthood plays a vital role in protecting health. So what's kind of cool is that there's emerging biologic data that helps us understand why social connection is crucial to both our physical and our mental health. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting that poor social connections, that is, you know, what I would call poor social vitality, influences our cardiovascular system, our immune function, and even leads to neuroendocrine dysfunction. That's like how your brain connects with the rest of your body. And one of the key findings is that the association with increased overall inflammation and poor sleep quality. So uh, one of the uh, pieces of data I found was, quote, social isolation raises the odds of high inflammation to a comparable degree with physical inactivity. That gets back to that question of, you consider hanging out with your friends as important as going to the gym? Well, guess what? It may be just the same. So the, the, the paper goes on to consider uh, social isolation as a public policy issue, and we should really be addressing it more if we wish, wish to optimize the health of our overall society. Uh, again, I think that starts with us individually that can progress to our community and society. But again, check out the... Uh, a Substack site for further details. Here's my take on this. We really do need to focus more on cultivating closeness. We hopefully now understand that social connection is a core component of our vitality, much like blood pressure or heart rate, but here's what can we do about it. Let me give you a couple suggestions, or actually four. Number one, start today and call or connect with an old friend. Meet them in, in person for coffee or a drink if you can. Number two, listen when somebody is speaking to you with the intent of hearing what they have to say. Number three, stop looking at your phone or computer when, engage, when engaging with another person. This devalues them and what, whatever you're talking or discussing with them. And number four, another suggestion I have about this is really important. That is to set a goal. Set a goal to make one new friend or reestablish an old relationship in the next 
next month. Cast a wide net just to identify either that old friend or that new friend that you would simply enjoy spending time with over a drink or a meal or a hike. So let me know what you think about this one. This is something I really feel strongly about, and the data is overwhelming, that social connection is crucial to your vitality. And because of that, the second component of this week's Vitality Explorer news podcast, and again, you can sign up at vitalityexplorers.com to become part of the community that is emerging around this, is to work on your social vitality skills. All right? So we talked about how they're important. We gave you a few suggestions. Um, And let's go into what I call social vitality skills. I came up with a sort of triangle where friends and colleagues and family can all be part of your social vitality. And then there's three components in the interior of the triangle, quality, function, and action. Again, but do we, we think of being social as a skill? Now, we reviewed that data about why it's important, but do we really think about how much time we devote to fertilizing our important relationships? And often, more importantly, do we take for granted our friends, our family, our colleagues? And then when they are, you know, know, often we think also when we really need their support in a crisis but fail to support them when they are in distress. So, again, we know that social connection is a core component of our physical and mental health. And I hope that it inspires us to spend more time and energy working on it, kind of like a skill. So here's some suggestions. Um, number one, the first is to emphasize quality over quantity. I really don't care. Maybe you care. But I don't really care about having 5 million Instagram followers and maybe no close friends. The data suggests that three or four good or close social connections is optimal. When we get too many, we get anxious about how to maintain them or we begin to dilute the quality of our overall social connections. The second is to think about social functions. Now, I was a total geek when I was, you know, when I just entered college, I was very, very focused on becoming a, a doctor and a surgeon and it only worked on my academic excellence. I would study, then I would study some more, and then I would even study some more. My social life was almost non-existent. Uh, I even skipped a football game at the University of Michigan and went to study at the medical school library. Shame, shame, shame on me. Then a couple of my friends started hiding my books. They demanded that I go out and either play basketball or watch a game or go to a game. And at first it seemed crazy to me. And and now I'm insanely appreciative of those friends that saved me from myself because they needed to teach me the value of social vitality. We all need friends to remind us. The third is action. Now, we just really need to just get out there and get after it. Uh, and we talked a little bit about this before, but stop looking at your phone. Um, here are four other specific things you can do to cultivate closeness. Number one, be brave and execute. That's one of the things we talked about in the first segment, which is to call an old friend or reconnect with a, a family member. Number two is to be curious about other people's stories. We can all learn from each other. But, you know, we don't need to immediately judge another person based on their superficial characteristics characteristics. I think it's important to just try to um, be interested in learning how each of us has navigated life to where they are today and seek to learn from their life and be empathetic. The third one is the one that I find very difficult myself sometimes to do, and that is to forgive, to rebuild. Um, Sometimes we're slow to forgive, but that builds a wall in a relationship. And we all at some point are going to need forgiveness. So why not be generous with your forgiveness forgiveness, and give it away 
to rebuild that closeness, to rebuild that relationship. Now, this is a topic I'm going to expand on in a future post, but I'll finish this segment with the final one, which is, I think, maybe the hardest, and that is to practice scary sharing. And that's to admit that you have issues when you're trying to perfect, prevent or perfection to the world. It just isn't so. None of us are perfect. So if you have some issue and you share it with a friend or a family member and ask for their help, that is one way to get closer. But it takes courage. It takes real courage to practice scary sharing. But that courage is rewarded with a closer relationship. And I think it's worth the risk. So let me know what you think about that. You can post your comments um, on the Substack site, and then we're going to finish this this week's Vitality Explorer news by talking about how uh, religion and spirituality enhance mental health. Again, check out Vitality Explorer on Substack for further details and the references. And this review that we're going to talk about went over an analysis of over, over 80,000 participants in what's called the meta-analysis study. And they were looking at religion, spirituality, and mental health. I'm going to start with the conclusion for you and just read it. Here's the conclusion. Quote, findings of the present study suggest that religion and spiritual practices are significantly associated with mental health in older adults. People with high religion and spiritual practice levels had a lower prevalence of anxiety and depressive symptoms, as well as reported greater life satisfaction and psychological well-being, better social relations, and more definitive, uh, definite meaning in life. Data provided by an increasing number of longitudinal studies have supported most of these findings. So only rarely is this kind of information mentioned in the lay press, and it is almost never discussed in a doctor's office. But I think this, this paper and this data is crucial, and it also does an excellent job of defining mental health. Let me quote it again. Quote, mental health is an integral integral and vital component of health that encompasses emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It refers to the way by which people behave, identify themselves, and cope with stressful events, thereby affecting how they experience and understand life, understanding of life events. In contrast, mental health decline is accompanied by a high frequency of persistent negative emotions, thoughts, and beliefs that influence the quality of life. Wow. Pretty, pretty powerful there, right? But I think the key component here is mental health matters. It matters to the individual. It matters to our society, and that's obvious. But did we know that religion and spirituality can help enhance our mental health? And do we have any ideas about how to improve our spirituality? Once again, this paper crushes it in defining religion and spirituality. Let me quote for it. Religion and spiritual beliefs are far from being just cultural tra- traditions. Indeed, it involves numerous organizational, non-organizational, introspective, and community practices that might potentially benefit human behavior. Wow. So here's my definition. I'm not quite as smart as the the people who wrote this paper. But my definition of spirituality is belief in something bigger than, than yourself. Belief in something bigger than yourself. And it's my hypothesis that we cannot really be our most vital selves without doing that, without believing in something bigger than ourselves and seeking to serve others in need. Um, This idea doesn't automatically mean a belief in God, but it can mean that we do not put ourselves first always in our lives. We seek to use our time, talent, and treasure, hopefully in this context of believing in something bigger than ourselves, in pursuit of a higher calling. All right? 
These are just my opinions. I welcome your thoughts and comments on them via the comment section on the Substack site. But let's go back to the paper for a second. And we need to review a little statistics as we come close to finishing up this week's Vitality Explorer News. A Z-score is a measure of, of the spread of the data, and a score of one means the data is one standard deviation above the mean for an average value. And what they found in this paper are some really fascinating, powerfully statistically significant findings. And here's the boil it down to one sentence. Religious and spiritual activity is associated with significantly higher life satisfaction, better psychological well-being, and less anxiety. I'm going to say that one more time. Religious and spiritual activity is associated with significantly higher life satisfaction, better psychological well-being, and less anxiety. I encourage you to look at all the charts on the Substack site. Uh, and this data was published in Frontiers in, in Medicine. You can see the full abstract and reference on the site. My hope is that this conversation or this post will spark a discussion about how religion and spirituality can help us combat this nasty mental health crisis that we're facing almost everywhere in the world. Um, and, and that's, again, one of, the, one of the core components of Vitality Explorers is to work on not just our physical and our mental health, or, but also on our social and spiritual well-being. Because the idea is that they're all intra-connected, sort of like a vitality wheel, that each one of them helps the other. So thank you again for listening to Vitality Explorer News. You can uh, see this on the Substack site. You can, again, join Vitality Explorers by going to vitalityexplorers.com. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And as always, share this with your friends and family. And until next time, dare to be vital.